you for joining us today at Renovatus, a church for people under renovation. If you have a prayer need, would like to talk with a pastor, or want to share how this message impacts you, we would love to hear from you. Email us at info at renovatuschurch.com. If you desire to support us in the work we are doing for the kingdom of God in Charlotte, you can give online at renovatuschurch.com. We hope you are truly blessed by today's message. We've been having the opportunity to hear from different people over this, uh, over the past few months and the season that we're in. Um, it's given me a break for the Sundays. We have council meetings, which is coming up. Uh, we're having a council meeting this evening, so be in prayer for that. Um, but we're excited to hear from Sarah this morning, excited to hear what she's bringing. So um, if you will, let her know how much we appreciate her and welcome her. And Sarah, you can come on up and uh, give you the... Thank you. I'm going to scoot this back a little bit, if I may, actually, because I want to invite our kids, if you guys want to, to come up here and sit with me for a minute. Speaking of being experimental, I want to try a little something. You guys are also welcome to stay with your parents. If you're more comfortable there, that's fine. Um, Today is the second Sunday of of, uh, Lent. It's the time of getting ready to come close to the mystery of Easter. And this morning I want to try something. We're going to read our lectionary passage. um, And we have some art that goes with that. So first we're just going to read the whole thing together. And we're going to wonder a little bit about it without me adding my thoughts. And then I'll invite our kids and, and any adults who are so inclined to choose some response materials. Because maybe you have some art that you need to make. Maybe you have a prayer that you would like to pray. Let me pray a little prayer before we begin. God, grant us today the grace to come close to the mystery of your presence in these words. Open our ears, our understanding, and our hearts that we may receive the impartation of your spirit. Help us to lay down our internal defenses to the working of your spirit, and by that same spirit, Bring forth in us, your beloved, all that you and your great love have intended. All right. Let's read. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, And you hear the sound of it, 
but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. All right, so now kids and anybody who likes to participate in that way, the the table is open. At any point, you can go and choose some materials that you might need for your work. I know you'll choose work that feels important to you. So, we have John 3 today, and this is a difficult passage because it is really familiar. Um, Maybe you've memorized some of it. Um, The only verse that I can think of that is more often memorized and quoted is the ever-popular Jesus wept. Um, But aside from that one, John 3.16 is pretty much the one that we know, right? It's the one we see on the bumper stickers and the the dry cleaning bags and the stadium signs and all these things. Familiar things can be really hard to enter into. The first seven or eight times I read this text, my eyes kept skipping those verses because my brain's like, oh yeah, I know this one. I know this one. What, What else is here? So it can be hard to enter in. It's also familiar because it's foundational. And this is intimidating for me to preach to you guys because I know that you all know about it already. Maybe you've even built your life around it. Most of us have heard the gospel many times, and we feel pretty confident about our place in the kingdom. So this passage might not feel like it's especially for us. Ironically, this is a story about a learned man pretty sure of his place in the kingdom, having built his life around the kingdom, coming to Jesus and finding out that he doesn't actually understand anything at all, and leaving with more questions than he came with. So maybe this story is especially for us. Anyone like me who's ever experienced any level of deconstruction maybe has some visceral experience with the sensation of unlearning and then having to relearn things that you've maybe always known and believed. 
or maybe you've had the experience of discovering that something you've always believed is something you've really never believed. Wherever you are, I think this passage today is especially for you. So, in the opening verses, we find Jesus, I mean, sorry, we find Nicodemus coming to Jesus at night. And most of the commentary I've read about this seem to give the impression that Nicodemus is coming to Jesus at night because he's a prominent Pharisee and because of the social ramifications of him coming to have an audience with Jesus because of the crowd that he rolls with. Um, And that may very well be true, but I also wonder if Nicodemus uh, is experiencing a little bit of the phenomenon I've sometimes experienced, uh, where in the deep of the night my soul is a little more exposed I'm a little more vulnerable, and that veil between my conscious getting things done self and my hidden heart is a little thinner. It's always in the middle of the night that I'm most aware of my deepest desires and my deepest fears. It's when I ask my rawest questions. Am I safe? What's wrong with me? It's when I croak my most earnest prayers. Help I need you. It's when I make my truest confessions. I want you. Or maybe I'm so angry with you. So maybe it's true that Nicodemus feared the crowd. Maybe he was engaged in some late night soul searching. Either way, the fact that a Pharisee who was part of a group of people who did everything in front of others for the approval of others, came to Jesus alone at night shows that he was very earnest in the way that he approached Jesus. But he doesn't actually come with any questions. He comes with a confession. He tells Jesus, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God. Nobody else could do what you do if God wasn't with him. And even though he doesn't ask a question, Jesus seems to respond as much to his earnestness as to his unspoken request. And he tells Nicodemus, no one can really see this kingdom that I'm pointing to without being born from above. So this would have been shocking to Nicodemus. It it would have been a common teaching at that time that all of the children of Israel would enter the kingdom simply because they were the children of Abraham. Uh, And also he's a religious leader dedicated to the keeping of the law. So his lineage and his lifestyle gave him multiple claims on God. He's in. But now Jesus is telling him that all of this is worthless, that he has to be born anathen, which is a Greek play on words that can mean both again and from above. The way you've already been born, being a child of Abraham, is not enough. So Nicodemus is understandably put off by this. Uh, And now he's full of questions. He didn't come with them, but now he spends the rest of this conversation asking. His first question is, how could anyone be born after they're already old? You can't crawl back inside your mom. Uh, My children have actually begged me to do this. Um, I've had to explain many times that after you're born, you continue to grow and that you can't get back in. Um, As 
I was reading this, I, I began to remember parables that are like this about the kingdom. The mustard seed that's so tiny, and then when it's planted, it grows into a tree big enough to hold all the birds of the field. Leaven that's put in bread as a fine powder, and the whole thing grows. Babies grow. They grow from almost nothing inside their mother until they're forced almost against their will into the world. They're a passive recipient in this process, and it's irreversible. Once you're out, you can't get back in. So Nicodemus knows that the birth he's had isn't one that he can have again, and there's no way of going back. What is it, though, that Jesus is saying he has to go forward to? So Jesus begins to explain the kind of birth he's talking about. Verse 5, Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. So I have two kids. Against all odds, they both have straight blonde hair. So they're maybe not the best example of how children resemble their parents. But is that ticking me? Am I doing that? Oh, okay. I'm going to take that off. Um, even though they didn't get my wild mop of curly hair, it's still true that they got hair from the DNA that I gave them. They have hair, and they have arms, and they have legs and noses, because their parents have arms and legs and noses. We are flesh, and so they are too. Flesh gives birth to flesh. And in the same way, spirit gives birth to spirit. We can only deliver that which is like ourselves. So Jesus is trying to make it clear to Nicodemus that entering the kingdom isn't something that we can do or learn or force our way into in any other way. Nothing we ever do, no matter how grand, will be anything but flesh. In order to have a new life, we have to be born of the Spirit, and this is something that the Spirit does to us. The Spirit carries us and delivers us. We can't deliver ourselves. Verse 7. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? And okay, so I'm totally with Nicodemus on this one. I sat with this particular verse for a long time, and I was really puzzled about it, uh, because of the imagery of wind. Um, and it was a long time before I noticed how much it actually resembles verse 13, where Jesus says, No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. So if we hold these two together, you don't know where the wind is coming from, 
and you don't know where it's going. Only I have ascended into heaven. Only I have descended. What Jesus says about the wind parallels what Jesus is saying about himself. He's saying, you don't know where the wind comes from because only I have been there. You don't really know where it is going. You don't really know what form you are being shaped to. Only I know that. I am speaking of what I know and have seen. So, not only can I not bring forth any kind of spirit life, because I am flesh, but even if I could, I wouldn't actually know what to make. Even if I had spirit power to form myself, what would I form? I don't know what the kingdom of heaven really looks like. So I can't form myself into any image of that kingdom. I cannot be formed by my own hands or participate in a kingdom that is not of this world. Okay, so maybe one of the reasons that I was fixated on this verse about the wind is because it's also been an unusually blustery week. I don't know if anybody else has noticed this. Um, In the wee hours of Tuesday morning, my sister's neighborhood was flattened by a tornado. Um, I didn't know what had happened until friends and family started texting me to find out if she was okay, and I was like, why would she not be okay? So I texted her, and she said, you know, I went to bed in the night, uh, not even knowing that it was going to rain, and then I woke up to sirens telling me to take cover because there was a tornado. It was like two blocks from her house. Like, she passes it when she walks her dog. So she and her roommates were huddled, Uh, in a hallway, because it was the only spot with no windows. Her friend was hiding in the walk-in refrigerator of the pizza restaurant across the street, and they just huddled like this while they waited for the storm to blow over. It was hailing, there was loud, loud wind. Tree limbs are crashing. In the morning, everything two blocks from her is flattened. Um, And her, her boyfriend wasn't answering any of the texts, to find out if he was okay. All of her friends were texting each other, are you all right, are you all right? And she didn't know if he had been swept up in the wind because he wasn't answering his phone, so she drove to his house at two o'clock in the morning to find out if he was alive. And I can't imagine how terrifying that was for her. Um, But I do know a little bit about being terrified because of what happened to me later that day. So Tuesday was a big day for my family. Tuesday, um, it was evening, And I was waiting for Seth to get home so that I could go vote without dragging my kids to the polls with me. And while I waited for him to get home, I was giving my kids a bath. So um, I knew that he'd be home any minute, and I'm like, you know, not, I'm like already thinking ahead to what I'm going to do next. And I was a little preoccupied because I was looking for memes to send to Kristen for her birthday. And, uh, And I heard my front door open. And I thought, oh, good, he's here in time. I'm going to make it. But I, you know, I was really distracted. Like, I was trying to find this meme. I was like, I've got to send this to Kristen before I go because it's her birthday and it's getting late. And the kids were in the tub, so I didn't want to leave them. Um, but a few minutes later, I heard the back door open, and I thought, oh, good, he's taking out the trash. I was, that's, it needed it. So uh, just as I'm about to send Kristen a really meaningful meme of a, a chicken dancing, um, Seth called me and he said, hey babe, 
I'm on my way. I'll be there in about 10 minutes. I'm walking home now. And at this point, I went cold. And I said, that wasn't you that just came in the house a few minutes ago? He said, no, I'm on my way home. And I, I, my voice went to like a deep, hoarse whisper. And I said, someone else came in my house. They might still be here. So I, I hung up. I slammed the bathroom door. I locked it. And I called the police. And I'm a little freaked out, guys, because I have two small, slippery, wet kids in the tub. And I have no escape route. And who knows who is in my house? with me. <laughs> and uh, I was thankful that we happened to be in a room with a door that locked because not all of our doors have locks. Um, but I was pretty much defenseless. So I'm on the phone with CMPD and I'm telling them my name and my address and what cars we have parked in our driveway and giving them my husband's description because he's walking home and he's about to have a very interesting experience as he walks up to my house <laughs> in the rain. Um, so they're asking me, can you hear if there's any more noises? Um, can you tell if they're still there? So I've got my ear pressed up against the bathroom wall, and I can't really hear what's going on because my kids have every single bathtub toy that we own in the tub, and it's sloshing back and forth, doing this like thing, and I can't hear, and one of them is singing. And so, and I was like, honey, sweetie, can you just be, be quiet, you know? And I have this urgency of like this, like you have to be quiet. I don't want anyone to know that we're in here, and I need to hear what's going on. Uh, the reply was, why do I have to be quiet? <laughs> and I was like, we're dead, we're toast. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm like on the operator. At this point, my, I'm like barely audible because if they haven't noticed by the slamming of doors and my initial like, I'm calling the police, I don't want them to actually know where I am. So I have my ear pressed up against the door, and I'm like, I can't tell. I don't know if they're still here. And then I heard the front door slam again. And so I didn't know if that was them leaving or coming back in. And so at this point, I began to look around for ways to defend myself. And I opened the bathroom vanity, and I'm looking for something heavy, and all I can find is a can of shaving cream. So I think, okay, it's metal, it's pretty full, I'm going to throw this at their head if they try to break down this door. And I've, I've closed the shower curtain so my kids won't see whatever happens. And, and then I think, well, what am I going to do after I throw this can of shaving cream? <laughs> punch him. So I grabbed a pair of haircutting scissors that I had in the, in the bathroom. And a minute later, CMPD comes bursting in my house and they go, CMPD, identify yourself. And I'm sitting in the bathroom with a can of shaving cream in my hand and a pair of haircutting scissors on the other hand because as far as I know, I'm about to fight a guy, y'all. Because I'm a mama bear and I've got little kids in this bathtub. So I stayed in the bathroom while the police swept my house and swept my yard, and they came back and let me out of the bathroom. Um, I had been pretty, what I would consider brave to this point, um, but I'm starting, you know, that like, okay, the, the initial panic is over, and now I'm going to just go ahead and shake and quaver a little bit, um, was kind of kicking in, but I said, you know, I should, I should check uh, and see what's missing. Um, so I start looking around, and like right on, we have a piano right as you come in our house, and there was a laptop sitting right there. And I was like, that's super weird. That would have been the first thing I grabbed. So then I, they said, well, walk the corridor that they would have done. So I walk through, and there's a Nintendo Switch sitting on the desk. I was just sitting right there. And I was like, this is weird. So I look through, and I, nothing is missing. Nothing is out of place. 
And I am baffled by this because this person was in my house for like five to seven, maybe nine minutes, um, which you do not know how long nine minutes can be until you are a hostage in your bathroom <laughs> with your small children. But uh, nothing was missing. And so then the one cop came in from the backyard and said, you know, backyard's clear, didn't see any footprints that way. These are ours on the ground because they had left footprints all, all in the house. And so I asked the other cop and she went out to check the front yard for boot prints, which there should have been because it was muddy. It was raining. It had rained, well, it wasn't raining then, but it had rained all day. And there weren't any. And they said, did you know your back door was open? And I said, no. And then I started thinking, you know, while I was cooking dinner, Lila went outside for a minute to get her boots from the backyard and she probably left it cracked. And then I started thinking about how our old house, if the back door is open just so, and if the front door is shut but not really clicked all the way, and if it's an especially windy day, sometimes the pressure of the wind will suck one door shut and the other one open. And then I began to feel really silly. <laughs> because I called the Charlotte Mecklenburg Police Department to my house to defend me from the wind. Uh, so I tell these stories because my sister and I this week had experiences with the wind and responses to the wind that are reflective of the ways we sometimes actually respond to the wind of the Spirit. We're reading the gospel passage today, and gospel means good news. But uh, in practice, I uh, historically have not responded to it as such. I mean, I, I sort of have, right? Like, I love the gospel message. I love Jesus. But I have spent my entire Christian life trying to make myself into his image instead of joyfully resting in the womb of the Spirit. Why? Why do I feel so threatened by the idea that I'm not formed by my own hands? It's abundantly clear that in order to participate in Christ's kingdom, I have to be born from above. And it is abundantly clear that this is not something I can accomplish. It's abundantly clear that only Christ, through the Spirit, can bring this forth. And yet I spend my days thinking about all the things that I should just really be doing better. I spend my time trying to perfect my heart and my habits. Why can I not rest in what he has done? On Tuesday, I was relieved to discover that it was only the wind that had broken into my house. But my sister knew good and well it was only the wind, and that wasn't exactly comforting. I was... Uh, I was drawn back to Acts chapter 2, you know, when the disciples are in the upper room and they're waiting for the Spirit. And when it comes, what does it sound like? The wind. But not just the wind. Violent wind. Acts 2 says that it's made a sound like a violent wind. And so our ability... To receive this wind depends a lot on our perception of its nature. 
is this wind safe? Is this really a place I can rest, or is this an intruder? I trust the power of the wind, but I don't trust its intentions. I trust my intentions, but not my power. I know deep down that I will fail in my own power and strength, and this fuels my existential dread and terror in the night, but I trust myself to try. I trust myself to do what I can to protect me from pain and destruction. I trust that if death comes for me, I will pick up a useless can of shaving cream and throw it right before I'm consumed. But the wind? How do I know I can trust that? Why should I come out from behind my well-built defenses and lay down my handmade claims on God and lean into a mighty wind? How could I possibly trust something so far beyond my control? This is why we need these last four verses. Verse 14. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. So this is a reference to a story from Numbers 21 where the Israelites are dying in droves from snake bites. Poisonous snakes are going all through the the camp and biting people, and they're just dropping dead, one after another. And so Moses prays for the people, and when he does, God tells them to make a, like a statue or a mold of a, a snake, one of these poisonous snakes, and to put it up on a pole. And anybody who looked at the snake that was snake-bitten, if they looked at it, they wouldn't die. They'd be healed. All they had to do was see it up there. So must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Seeing is believing. When I say seeing is believing, I don't just mean like looking, seeing, in the same sense that the Israelites looked. Like they could just, it was enough with their regular eyes to just look at the statue, and if they looked at it and saw it, that was enough. They wouldn't die. But I mean really seeing. Seeing him for who he really is. That's what begets trust. So I used to try a lot to strengthen my trust in God. You know, people say things like, oh, have faith or, you know, trust God or whatever. I have tried really hard. But in my experience, I have found that I can't make myself trust God. I can't. Trust has never been something that I can bring to him like a gift. I have not been able to to make any of it. But I have found... The trust is the natural response of any heart when it beholds trustworthiness. If we see trustworthiness, trust is there. We don't have to make it. So if we want to know if we can trust him, we have to see him for who he really is. Maybe that's how this next verse has become so ubiquitous. Verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son 
so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. These are the kind intentions of the wind of the Spirit. The truest seeing of Christ and of our Christ-like God is these verses. It's the love of God embodied in a crucified Christ. How do I know I can trust him? Look at him. Look at the cross. Look at that man, that bloody one. Can I trust him? If you can see him, really see him, you'll know. Thank you, sweet friend. Some of us are huddled behind the bathroom doors of our souls, knowing deep down that all of our goodness and all of our strength and all of our good intentions to protect ourselves really amount to nothing more in the end than a can of shaving cream. We have good intentions, but we know they won't work. We have our ears pushed up against the door trying to figure out if it's really safe to trust the work of the Spirit in our lives. Will he really do this for me? Will he really keep me safe? So we talked a little bit about how at night the veil over our hearts is a little thinner, a little exposed. At night we can see what's really in there. The cross gives us this kind of exposure of the heart of God. When Jesus died, night fell over the whole world like a blanket. It was dark, it was night. The actual veil in the temple ripped and God shows us his own middle of the night raw heart he shows us the things that he croaks out in his deepest self this is his authentic intention this is his most earnest motive toward us the heart of God laid bare in the dark of the night is embodied in the crucified Christ. So we can look and see. Can we trust him? Um, I guess we can have our band come back. Our communion servers can get ready. This is the time of Lent. It's the time of getting ready to 
come close to the mystery of Easter. I heard somebody say this week that um, something along the lines of if we don't know that we need we have to know that we need in order for it to really be good news. We're starting to get ready and we still have some time left before Easter comes. We still have time to wrestle in the, in the dark with these questions. But today I want to invite you to engage with whatever part of you is a little bit huddled up Whatever part of you still says, you know, it's okay, I, I got this. And maybe for some of you, that, that's a lot. And maybe for some of you, it's just that one thing that you really need to fix. But I invite you to sit with that. And I invite you to take that exposed heart and then just sit it and look a little bit at that other exposed heart. See what the Spirit might do. Let's read the invitation together. If you'll stand with me. This is the table, not of the church, but of the Lord. It is made ready for those who love him and those who want to love him more. So come, you who have much faith and you who have little, you who have been here often and you who have not been here long, you who have tried to follow and you who have failed. Come, because it's the Lord who invites you and it is his will that those who want him should meet him here. Thank you again for joining us. We invite you to send your requests and stories to info at renovatuschurch.com and give by visiting our website, renovatuschurch.com. As we close every service at Renovatus, would you join me in praying the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.